Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And you know, when we gather around this table, you may have the misconception that we have it all together. <laughs> and and can I just say how wrong you would be if you think that? Uh, Rachel, you and I kind of, you know, we're doing this thing called life one day at a time, just like everybody else. Oh, yeah. We stumble, we fall, we mess up. But the older I get, the more I think about what Bill Hybel's book said, Who Are You When No One Is Looking? And that title came to my mind this week as... I reminisced about Billy Graham and the passing of Billy and living 99 years. And I'm sure there were days when he stumbled. And I'm sure there are days he didn't get it right. As a matter of fact, I've had the privilege of knowing uh, one of his grandchildren here in our hometown. And they would say, you know, he wished he would have spent more time with his kids and his grandkids. And yet he, he was so driven to do what God had called him to do. But, but those were some areas of his life that he felt he didn't get right. So no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing in life, there are days when you have to ask yourself, well, who am I? And how is my life going to play out when it's all said and done? What's it going to look like in the rearview mirror? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody gets it perfect. And all of us are trying to balance it all, right? Or, or juggle it all or what, mm-hmm. whatever that right metaphor is. You know, how do we spend enough time, you know, learning about and serving God? And then how do we also make sure there's dinner on the table for the family tonight? So, yeah, I mean, I've heard it said that you can be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. It's a balance. It is a balance. And, and when I look at uh, Billy Graham as an example, I hear, you know, we live in North Carolina, so I hear a lot of, of Billy Graham stories. And one I just happened on to. There is a, a lady that is 92 years old, and she was um, a client of my husband's before he retired. And we still go check on her. She's a widow, and she is full of life. This woman is still active in her church. She, she does things like, and when I say active, it's not like she gets up and walks to the mailbox. This woman goes whitewater rafting. She, she skydives. She and her 96-year-old brother still cut down a sapling every year from their property in the mountains. They bring it back home. They skin it, and they make, uh, they cane chairs not because they need to, but because they think it's a dying art that nobody's going to know how to do that. And so they just keep doing it. 92 and 96 years old. They take hand tools and they shave the bark of the sapling so that they can make and cane strips for chairs. It's not like they go buy it at Hobby Lobby. They make it. 
And so the, the, this family is so fascinating to me. And every time I go visit Carolyn, it's just a treat. So we went to visit her uh, several days after Mr. Graham had passed away. And, and we were watching. I, I couldn't find her. And she was out in the, one of the outbuildings at one of her three looms that she has, weaving looms. And she was cutting old blue jeans into strips and weaving them into rugs and placemats. 92 years old. And she st- and I said, do you ever stop? And she said, I hope not. You know, the, <laughs> the woman keeps going. And so, you know, as we're talking, she was saying how she's doing some things for her church. She had cut down some old grape vines and twisted them into some wreaths for some of the gals at church because they were raising money to go on a mission trip and you know she's always she's always others focused and I said something about wow wasn't it sad but exciting at the same time to hear the news about Billy Graham and she said well you know my husband Otis knew him right? And I said, I did not know that. And she said, oh yeah, they both grew up in Charlotte and Otis was actually with Billy at the tent crusade when he decided to give his life to Christ at age 16. I said, you're kidding me. She said, no. And they stayed friends throughout the years and her husband's been gone for 31 years. But she said, I can tell you, that he was the same day in and day out. It didn't matter if he was meeting with queens and kings or presidents, or if he just decided to sit down with Otis and whittle for a while. He was the same all the time. And that's what, that's what we're talking about today. It's like, how do we stay in step with the Holy Spirit so that no matter who we're with and no matter what we're doing, we can be the same example to everyone we meet. Years ago, when I was teaching a youth group at our church, I did a little um, object lesson. You know how I love those. And I brought with me a carrot and a kiwi. And I held it up to these junior high girls, and I said, okay, which would you rather be, a carrot or a kiwi? And oh man, immediately they were like, I want to be a kiwi. It's, you know, it's kind of fuzzy on the outside. It's, it's so juicy and wonderful on the inside. And it's just, it always tastes, you know, so sweet. And I said, okay, that, those are all really great reasons to want to be a kiwi, but I prefer to be a carrot. And they're like, oh man, a carrot is so boring. I mean, it's just, you know, there it is. It's, it, it's just a, big old orange stick and I said but when you cut open a kiwi and you cut open a carrot a kiwi looks totally different on the inside but a carrot it looks the same all the way through and that's kind of how I want to live my life I want to be the same on the inside as what you see on the outside And my girls who are now 30, in their 30s that were in that class come up to me and they say, I'm striving to be a carrot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we want to be, right? We want 
we want our walk with Christ to be so in tune and so in step. It's, it's kind of like the fifth chapter of Galatians tells us. It says, you know, uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit being love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and all those things sound like they are impossible to accomplish every day all the time. But I really think that as God revealed those to us, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So if you get that one right, then you're going to experience the joy. And then you're going to feel the peace. And then you're going to have the forbearance to deal with bristly people. And then you're going to be able to return to them with kindness. And then you may even feel like, I'm going to go beyond kindness. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do something really good for them. And then I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to walk this out, not just today, but I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to show love again. And then for all those people who still reject me and still want to stomp on the goodness that I've shown, I'm going to learn how to be gentle. And I'm not going to blow up. And I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm going to be self-controlled. And so when we do that, it tells us a couple verses later that we are living in step with the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but that's what, that's the way I want to live my life. That's what I want said once I'm gone, that what you see is what you get when you know Luann. She's not going to say one thing and then talk about you behind your back she's if she says she loves you she loves you and that's the way I think God is calling each one of us to live we're going to stumble but we keep going we get up and we do it again the next day you know when you were uh, talking about the the fruit of the spirit there as you um, listed those out and showed us that kind of progression in the list the word you know thinking still about about Billy Graham which we were talking about a few minutes ago the word faithful really jumped out to me if I had to choose you know one word out of that list of the fruit of the spirit uh, to sort of describe Billy Graham I know there are many people who would say love um, and that is what he tended to preach on the most he uh, I think people marveled at him because his preaching seemed so simple yet effective because his main Mm -hmm. message was simply um, God's love for us no matter what no matter what God's love for us Um, which seems super simple but is actually the most powerful thing um, he he could say but um, I I think of the word faithful when I think of him or when I think of um, someone who is I guess you'd say the carrot all the way through Um, and it's not that I think that Billy Graham had every dot and tittle of the Bible down pat, uh, or, or that he had all his interpretations correctly and, and lived them out every single minute of every single day, right? That's, oh, Jesus is the only person who fulfills the law like that and lived, um, you know, a godly life like that. 
but I believe that even when he may have messed up or, or missed um, an opportunity or whatever it might be, I believe even in that he was striving to be faithful. You know, there wasn't just a, um, you know, when I'm doing my, my ministry thing over here, I'm super faithful. But when I'm over here doing my regular life, I don't worry about that so much. You know, I think he, he, um, he was always striving to be faithful. I don't know if many people know this, but three things that he did right out of the gate when he saw that God was going to use him in ministry, he made three very remarkable decisions that I think made his ministry so easy to follow and, and to try to emulate that many of the ministries today don't do. But number one, he told his entire staff that no one was to ever be alone with a woman unless it was their wife, that it was just never going to be an issue that there was going to ever be a, an opportunity for someone to say or do the wrong thing as long as they were ministering with his association. And I thought, wow, what a great thing to say and to make, set a standard. The other thing he did was they always had their finances open for anybody to see anytime. So there was never a question of how the money was spent so that people would be able to uh, hear the good news of Jesus. But the third thing was, this was unheard of. Unheard of. He, he was the very first evangelist that put a cap on his salary. And he said, I will never take more than this amount because it's not about me becoming famous and rich. It's about God becoming famous and people to learn his rich love. Those three things, I think, set the standard for how he lived his life. Well, I like the word that you used um, to describe that, which was you said remarkable. Yes, that is remarkable. That's what has you mentioning all those three things, you know, here today. It is remarkable not something that everybody does. And I mean, and to be clear, not not necess- not biblically required, right? You know, so it shows you his uh, character and integrity and his desire to be faithful to the Lord's calling and to not be distracted. Absolutely. I mean, it's so easy for us to get distracted. It's so easy for us to wander off and do our own thing. And, and sometimes they're good things. Sometimes we see an opportunity or a, a possibility of something. We take off in a direction that isn't in step with God. It's so easy to go the wrong direction. And you and I know that that's easy to do, not just in our faith, but in our family as well. Yeah. And it's not, no Christian leader is above the distraction Um of, of selfishness or, you know, of money or the um, attention that sometimes comes when you reach a, a, a level of prominence like, like Mr. Graham did. So, yeah, we're all, we're, but, you know, you don't have to be Billy Graham to be tempted um, or to be selfish mm. or to, you know, totally blunder your stewardship um, or to be, you know, just not living a life of, of extreme faithfulness. But um, yeah, I mean, my everyday life, you know, I stub my toe, you know, and then 
what wants to come out my mouth? You know, I have to say sugar, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Mm -hmm. why? Why does that impulse even there? Um, You know, and and it's not that Billy Graham didn't have those impulses. It's that he set some some rules in place and um, decided that above all, no matter what, he wanted to be faithful to God. And there you go. He set the the guidelines ahead of time. You know, I, I tried to tell my kids when they were growing up that it's what you decide before something happens. You already know ahead of time what you're going to say to that boy who asks you to do more than you know you should do. You already know. You have those those go-to phrases that um, you set in your mind beforehand. And I think that's what God was telling us. We need to be in charge of what we allow in our mind so that we can stand up and make the right decisions. And do we always do it? No, we don't. But I think about my kids and my grandkids when I'm taking them all somewhere. You know, I I had the privilege of raising five children and people would marvel at how we would be able to go into a grocery store and I never had a problem. And it was because I told them ahead of time, here are the rules and I expect you to obey them. Because the consequences won't be pretty if you don't. So everybody, you know, here's what, and I gave them jobs to do when they were in there. They had things that they needed to check the price and they needed to do some different things. So they felt like they were participating, but they knew going in what was expected. And so they stayed in step with mama. And I think that that's what God is giving us, the the things in the Bible are not not to punish us. It's to help us stay in step so that when we get to the end of our life, we can look in the rearview mirror and say, wow, I'm so glad I knew ahead of time how to answer those questions, that I knew ahead of time how to fight that temptation, that I knew ahead of time because I had tucked God's word into my heart. It's like Peter said, you know, be ready, be ready in season, out of season to, to stand up for what you believe in. And I think as we talk about Billy Graham, he was a great example of that, but he was just a man. And we're just all human, but we all have the ability to make choices in advance that will help us make good decisions throughout each day. You know, I never had the privilege of, of meeting Mr. Graham or his um, wife, but I have met his daughters, and both of them are lovely. Um, this one uh, instance stands out in my mind. This was, um, there was a local um, banquet being held in my hometown at this uh, fancy hotel, and it was a, a banquet to benefit our local crisis pregnancy center. And uh, Ruth Graham had been invited to come and be the keynote speaker for this banquet. My husband had been asked to be the MC for this event. 
Um, and Rick had told me about this and he'd given me the date and he had said, hey, you know, come come to this banquet with me. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. But really that wasn't the main thing, in my opinion, on my calendar that day. Um, at that same hotel earlier in the day, there was a conference for pastor's wives. And I was not speaking at it, but I did know the speaker and the speaker had asked, would I come and help? Would I serve? Would I just work the book table, pass out handouts, you know, refill water, just whatever needed doing. And I'm like, absolutely, yes, because pastor's wives are often sort of unsung heroes in the church, right? right. So uh, so that's where my focus was. And I went and I, I, I was not speaking and I didn't want to stand out. I did not dress up. I dressed sort of down and I just spent the day with those ladies and, and the speaker and Jesus and it was wonderful. And then um, it was time to go to the banquet. So I literally had like a a black skirt basic black skirt in my in my bag my tote bag I go into the restroom at the banquet hotel change into a black skirt now this did not transform my outfit like you would see on one of those you know shows where they just like (laughs) throw on a little lipstick and an accessory and you go from day to night like it it was not that kind of a transformation but I I figured I needed to at least have on a skirt for this banquet so I don't look so great but it, you know, basic black skirt and whatever top I had on it, off I went. And I'm thinking it doesn't matter because I'm going to sit in the back and just observe. And so I give my name at the table there when I get to the front of the banquet room. And they say, okay, follow me, Miss Olson. And I, I walk behind this lady and I'm like, oh, darn, assigned seating. I might not get to sit in the back. Well, she leads me to the very front table. The, oh, no. the main table. And and I'm like, and then it dawns on me that my husband's the MC, so they've put us at the at the front table. So I'm like, oh dear, like I'm walking past 200, 300 people <laughs> in my in my shabby looking outfit, and I'm like, oh, I didn't think this through. And I sit down and um, the table is only half filled at this point, and my husband is somewhere, you know, mic checking or whatever he's doing. And then suddenly the side door opens up, um, and out walks Ruth and sits down at the seat next to me. And I'm mm. like, oh, I, I didn't really plan for this at all. <laughs> so she was she was well dressed. <laughs> I was going, oh, uh, but you know what? The the thing is, is Rick. Uh, Rick was introducing her. He was emceeing. He um, every time he referred to her to Ruth uh, from the microphone from the stage, he called her by her older sister's name. He kept calling oh, her no. Anne, and I just kept cringing and cringing. And he did it again and again. And I finally looked over at her and I kind of mouth, I'm so sorry. She leans over just as just as calm as can be with a smile. And she's like, it's okay, honey. I get it all the time. It happens all the time. <laughs> uh, which just shows the humility um, in, in her and, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, the... Uh, maybe a lack of professionalism in myself and Rick. They should have gotten a different MC for that event. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think she probably gets that from her daddy, you know, that no matter, no matter what the circumstance, just the humility and the faithfulness. Isn't that true? I mean, they, uh, the entire family, everybody that I've met in that family, they, they do uh, emulate what their dad lived. And that is... The life that is the same inside, outside, with kings and presidents, or with you and I. And today, 
we're talking about staying in step with the Holy Spirit so that we can live our life so that we can look in the rearview mirror one day and say, okay, God, we made it. And you know, it's nothing that we do, but it is what God does in us and through us. So today, as we take our next step, may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others along the way. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time. Thank you so much for joining Encouragement Cafe today. And we encourage you to stop by encouragementcafe.com. And there you can find a way to give a gift of any amount and receive one of our coloring book devotionals. We hope that it encourages you on your daily walk. We'll see you back here next week.